Good morning, everyone. Good to see everyone today. Can anyone, can anyone guess what our theme is for the year? And can you guess what we're going to talk about today? <laughs> Outreach, right? That's what Pastor Joe has been talking about. That's what Pastor Peter was talking about this past week. And um, I'm going to continue on that same track, talking about that. But as we think, talk about outreach, sometimes we think of outreach and we automatically think of, of, of an event we schedule and we do and get people together and go out and do this group of people. When Pastor Joe started off talking about it, it's about us personally engaging with what God's doing in our heart and with other people. It's, it's more on a personal level. That's where it starts. And I want to come back to that today and talk about that. Um, we're going to start off um, in um, John chapter 20, verse, uh, verse 21 through 22. Uh, I, I, I hope you guys got have the verses. Okay. I might not go in the order that you have them, just so you know that. <laughs> and uh, we're going to start off here in, in John chapter 20. And, and this is the night of Jesus' resurrection, right? And uh, uh, just three days prior to this, uh, the, the, uh, the apostles, the disciples, they saw Jesus be brutally crucified. And with that, all their hopes... Uh, of the kingdom coming, died with him to them. That's how they were feeling, right? And now they're locked in this upper, the, the upper, they're locked in a room. They're in this room, they're locked in, and they're there afraid, what's going to happen to them next? They just watched their rabbi, their, their leader, be crucified for what he was doing and what he was preaching and talking about, about, about God. And here they are in fear and hiding. And, um, and all of a sudden, poof, Jesus shows up. It's a locked room. He appears. I mean, that would have really, I don't know about you, it would have really freaked me out at that moment. But they're there. It's happened. He shows up, and he starts to talk to them. And that's what we're going to read in John chapter 20, verse 21 through 22. And I'll read it here. It says, and Jesus says to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. Let's pray. God, we just pray that you would do that now. As we're going to spend some time in your word, I pray, God, for us, for me, God, that you, O breath of God, would breathe on us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead would be here to speak to us and minister to us what we need, each one of us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Jesus tells them, as I've been sent by the Father, so I'm sending you. So what was Jesus sent to do by the Father that he was now sending them to do? You know, we know that it's, it's not that he was sending them to go give their life on a cross to die for the sins of people, right? That's something exclusive to, to Jesus that he had to do. So what was he sending them to do? Well, let's look at Luke. Now we're going to go to Luke 4, uh, verse 18 through 19. So, it, you know, I'll say it's one of my favorite verses, and a lot of people are going to know, know me say, well, you have a lot of those, Kenny. But this is one of them. This is one of those uh, verses that I really like. Um, and uh, here he's going to tell us what, it, what, it, what he's been sent to do. And some context. Before we read this, you know, sometimes Joe gives us context afterwards, but I'm going to give it beforehand. So here Luke is recording um, some of Jesus' life before he starts off into ministry. And uh, he's um, 
he's come to John. He's come to John to be baptized by John, and John um, uh, baptizes him, and it says the Holy Spirit comes down upon Jesus at that point. And then also the Father speaks over him. This is my beloved son, or this is the son that I love. And then Jesus from there, he's led by the Spirit to go into the wilderness. So he goes off in the wilderness, he's there for 40 years. And during that 40 years, 40 years, yeah, not 40, 40 days, 40, <laughs> 40 days is enough, not 40 years. But 40 days, he's off in the wilderness, right? And he's being tested. And at the end of those 40 days, he comes back out of the wilderness and it says, in the power of the Spirit. Someone shared a word about the Spirit that, that was on Jesus and on the disciples and doing all these things. This is the Spirit that came and he's empowering Jesus at that moment. And he comes in and he goes back to his hometown. He goes back to Nazareth. And in that, he comes, he walks in, he says, as his custom was, he, would, he went into the synagogue, and he was going to read out of the scroll, and he takes the scroll, and he opens up to Isaiah 61. As we know, they didn't have, an, they didn't have any chapter numbers there, but they roll up, they get to that point, Isaiah 61, verse 1, and what we're going to read is what Jesus reads from Isaiah. Okay, so let's read this here. And it says here, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Here we go. He has what? Sent me. Spirit of the Lord's on me. You see, uh, and he, you know, even as we read earlier, when he, he breathes on them. You see, there's a theme here today. Um, so here he says, he sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And if you were to read Isaiah, actually, in the Old Testament, Isaiah 61, it also says he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And I like that one. He, he, he didn't come just to heal physically, but to heal hearts also. And he still does that today. And Jesus, Jesus as he's reading this, he knows. He knows and he believes what he's, re what he's reading is true about himself at this moment. And he actually, as he finishes, he goes, he says to them, hey, I'm this guy. What you're reading here, I'm the one. You get that? I mean, he didn't use those words. We, we read different words, but he's really telling. He says, I just read to you. What you've been hearing all those years, what Isaiah prophesied would come, I'm here finally. This is me. He gets it. Jesus comes alive to who he is. And who's working in his life? The Holy Spirit, he comes alive to that. And we think, oh, well, he's God. No, as a man, Right? He came as a man to live this life as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he comes here and he realizes who he is and what he's sent to do, an anointed force. This is Jesus' mission statement. And we say, well, what was Jesus sent to do? Well, we, most people are going to say, he came to die on the cross. Yes, but that's not all. What did he do for three years beforehand? This, right here. This is what he was sent to do. See, if you um, start to read through the, the gospel, you right immediately in Luke, he starts to talk about who he's healing, and he's healing the sick. He's, he's uh, ministering to people, binding up the brokenhearted. Well, if you read through all the gospels, that's what you see. You see, you see that ministry happening. He's healing the sick. He's cleansing the leper. He's casting out demons. He's binding up the brokenhearted, and he's actually even raising the dead. And you see that happening. He's actually starting to live out what he just said he was called to do and what he was sent to do. He knows and he starts to live that out. 
I want to make a point here, because we're going to tie in the outreach here, is when you see Jesus doing that, as you read the stories, the testimonies of, of what of Jesus doing this ministry, it happens sometimes where he's in a home, and also uh, uh, the whole town comes with all these sick people, all that had diseases, and they line up, and it says he lays hands on every one of them. It's like a prayer line here, where they, like all some people are in line waiting to get prayed for by, by Joe. Right? Just no different. He's, they're there waiting to be ministered to by the Holy Spirit through Jesus. Or it comes on, it happens, he's walking and he, he, he runs into, he doesn't run into, but he meets up with a leper, comes to him and says, you know, if you're willing, you know, will you heal me? And Jesus said, I'm willing. So it's, it, so it's in natural encounters in everyday life. You see him ministering to people, doing the, the healing, casting out demons, healing the brokenhearted, and even with the leper. When the leper asks him, he's saying, are you willing to, to heal me? He doesn't ask. He doesn't come up and say, can you heal me, you know, heal me, Jesus? He asks, he says specifically, are you willing? Lepers were seen as outcasts. They were pushed aside, dismissed. They were cursed. They were the source of a curse. You couldn't touch them. You could catch that. And they're seen that way. So he's asking, not just to be healed, he's saying, am I worth it? Do I matter enough that you will heal me? He was not just needing physical healing. He was needing his broken heart to be bound up and mended. You see Jesus doing it in both ways, and these crowds coming to him, and then individuals he encounters along the way. <clears throat> Jesus is doing this ministry. This is what he was sent to do, and you see him going out to do it. And as he's doing it, he calls disciples. He, he starts calling you know, the, the, the fishermen, right, and the tax collector, and he starts calling them. They start to join Jesus, and they're walking around, and they're watching him, and he's modeling for them what he's doing. He's giving them a model, something they've never seen in their life. There was no Jesus-stuffed school that they had to go to or, you know, to figure out what he's doing. He, they're figuring it out as it's happening. And he's modeling it for them and right in front of them because he's going to equip them. And he's going to send them out. He knows that. And he's getting them ready. That's what he's doing. See, as he sends, he's going to send them. And then there comes a point in the midst of his ministry that he's doing this, this ministry, he calls the 12. Hey, guys, come here. He calls them out, he picks 12, he pulls them over to himself, he says, I'm sending you out two by two. And you're going to go out, you're going to do the same thing I'm doing. Go heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse lepers, preach the good news, and by the way, you can also raise the dead. Read it, it's in the, it's in the Gospels. God's sending them out to do the same exact thing that he did. And then, you know, it's not just the 12, they come back and then he goes, he sends 72 to what we have no idea who these people are. A lot of people think, well, it's only the apostles could do this. No, there's 72 more that he actually takes and he sends them out. And they're excited because when they come back, he's like, they're like, the demons, they, they obey us. Right? So it's happening for not just the 12 and not just the 72. It's Jesus 12 and 72. He's sending them to do the same thing, just as he was sent. And after they finish their mission, they come back and they join Jesus until he gets to the cross and he gives his life on the cross. 
I'm kind of giving you a, like, a, like an over snapshot of view of the, the, this, this, the, these three years here. But we, that brings us right back to the very first one we read, John chapter 20, verse 21 and 22. Can you put it back up there? Actually, I'm skipping a whole bunch of notes. Before we read from there, actually, let's, let's read this. He comes, comes back to them. He's back, back there. He's, he's given us, they, they joined him. He's come to the cross. He's given his life. And it's three days later. It's the resurrection, night of the resurrection. And he sees them. And he says to them, as I've, 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 since, as I've been sent by the Father, even so I'm sending you. And he breathes on them, receive the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, they were scared. They, they went out and did those, that mission that Jesus sent them on. They're excited seeing all that what Jesus is doing, and then they're crushed at the, at the crucifixion. And after the crucifixion, he shows up here three days later, and he says, I'm sending you just like I'm, I'm sent. I, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking I'm in that place. They are scared to death that what happened to him is going to happen to them. And he's now saying, now you guys go do the same thing. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know how I, I would have been like, oh, wait a minute. But here he's sending them. He's letting them know what I sent you on before. That mission is not ended because I've died. You are to continue doing the same mission, the same kingdom ministry after I'm gone. Because he's going to come. He's told them he's leaving. So he's come back and say, I'm sending you. Here he's sending them. And they know they're sent. And um. And then between this night, between this night here, and he says that, he, he's, he's going to see them over 40 days. He's going to appear to them a few more times, and he's going to give them some more instructions before he leaves. And the instruction, one of the instructions he gives them he's, is where we, we read the Great Commission. Go make disciples, right? So he's telling them, he tells them at some point, okay, you're going to go make disciples. And, in, and the intent in this is that he's sending not just them, because if it, when they die, it's just going to end. He's saying, no, you go make disciples just like I made disciples of you. And you're going to go show them and model for them just what I model for you. And they're going to be sent just like I'm sending you. And you're gonna, they're going to continue on with the same ministry until the end of the age when I come back. So here he's saying, I'm not just sending you. I'm sending others through you. And then just as he's about to get ascended into heaven, he says, oh, yeah, by the way, don't do anything until you're baptized by the Holy Spirit and fill with power. And guess what they do for 10 days? They, they, they're back in hiding again. They're in praying and they're waiting. And guess what happens? Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit's poured out, right? And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes on them and what do they do? They don't keep hiding. They come alive. Just like we've been saying, huh? they're singing in the song, right? They come alive. They come alive to who they are. To the Holy Spirit who's now on them, in them, and has anointed them to do the very same things Jesus did. They know it, and they go out and they start preaching the good news right away, right in those moments. See, this is the sending. Guess who else is sent? How come no one else is writing in her hand? <laughs> it's you guys, okay? So here we are 2,000 years later, They've been making disciples, they've been making disciples, they've been making disciples, and here we are. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Two hands now. Okay, we're, we are disciples, right? 
And so they were, we're, we're supposed to be doing the same stuff Jesus did, the same stuff those early disciples did, the same thing disciples have done all these years. The kingdom mission of Jesus. We're supposed to be doing the same works of Jesus. Let's go to John 14, 12. Joe said, I said, as long as I keep it under an hour, we're good. <laughs> oh, but the, um, this is an easy topic to actually go a long time. There's so much to talk about with this. But the main point is the Holy Spirit. We started with that song. We need the Holy Spirit. He comes and frees our hearts. And it's a, I forget the first, the first word. Uh, uh, he comes and he... he uh, our shame is undone. That's the first thing he does for us. He comes to us and frees us in our hearts and undoes the shame that we have because of our sin. And, he, and then he goes, it's not, doesn't end there. He doesn't just die to, to forgive us. He dies to send us, to fill us. It doesn't stop with just forgiveness. It goes, it's much more than that. And we see that as we're reading this here. In John 14, 12, we're supposed to, he's supposed, he says we're supposed to be doing the, uh, the works of Jesus, I would say. Now, as we look at this verse, it says, it's not just, we're not, we're not supposed to just be doing the works of Jesus, we're actually supposed to be doing greater works. Let's read. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Who will do these things? Those who believe. You believe in Jesus, you're a disciple of Jesus, you'll do the same works and greater now, there's arguments over whether what, what these greater works are. I'm not worried about trying to do the greater works. I just want to be trying to at least do the works of Jesus. Let's settle on that. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're not just called to do. That's what we're called to be. We're called to be the people of God who let God work through us to do these very same things God did through Jesus and the early disciples. That's what he's called us to do. That's what we're, we're called to let him do in us. Now, you may be asking, like, how is that possible? How is that possible for us to do that? It's possible because the same Holy Spirit that was spoken of earlier in today's service that was on Jesus that raised him from the dead, where does he live right now? Right here. In us, in, in us together. And we can have the same relationship that Jesus had with the Father and the disciples had with the Father. It's through the Holy Spirit and walking with our Father. That's where it comes from. That's how it's possible for us. And with that, I want to make a point. Some people think like Jesus did all these works because he was God. Like he, like, like he came as God and as a God, he was healing people and cleansing the leper and raising the dead. When we read that scripture in Luke 4, 18 and 19, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. How did Jesus do it? As a man. If he was doing it as God, he wouldn't need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. See, he was limiting himself in doing those things by doing them by the power of the Holy Spirit and not by himself as God. He was a man at that point operating under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. No different for us. And it's important for us to remember that. I like um, 
Actually, it's 10, Acts 10.38. It's, it's another one of my favorite scriptures. It's actually Peter's description of, like, Jesus' lifestyle. You know, it, it's Peter, and this is years later, and Luke's is even later than, you know, these guys. He's not later as in living, but he's, he's written this. He's, he's done research, like, of what happened. And so he's interviewed somebody, and here he's, he's, he's actually telling what Peter thought of Jesus. After, after all what Jesus, as Peter has seen, he, he's a simple description of what Jesus' lifestyle was like walking with the Father. Now God, or how, it's, it finishes up another sentence, but God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit with power. He went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Two things there. God the Father was with him, and he was anointed with the Holy Spirit, and he went around. What's outreach? Here's, his, here's, our, here's, our, here's our picture of what outreach, outreach at its simplest form looks like. Jesus going around knowing that the Father was with him, knowing he was anointed to do these things, and he encountered people, and he extended the life, the love, and the light of the kingdom to them. That's what we're supposed to do. It's that simple, living a life, but it comes out of relationship with the Father and knowing the Holy Spirit who is in us and following his lead. The same spirit that anointed and empowered Jesus to do these works is living in us now. And he's anointed us and empowers us to do the very same works he did through Jesus. Let's, let's look at John 5, 19 through 20. I'm throwing a couple of things for you, and I'm going to tie it together with some, with, with some thoughts. John chapter 5, verse 19 through 20. This moment, Jesus heals this man at the pool of Bethesda early in this chapter. And he's healed him. He walks up, and it, there's, there's a lot of people at this pool because they're waiting to be healed, and they're looking for the water to be stirred, and they're, they're following that, 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 that uh, I don't know what they call it, it just, their idea that, that how, the first one in get healed. And Jesus walks up. He doesn't go heal everybody. This is the first thing you, I notice. Like he, he chooses one man, and he goes to the one man, and he heals the man, and then walks away and leaves. And then the, the religious leaders are upset over this man picking up his mat and walking on the Sabbath. And like, you know, why are you doing this? Well, this man, he healed me. Who is it? I don't know. As he walks away, he doesn't know it's Jesus, but Jesus comes and he has his encounter with the religious leaders. And they're like, what are you doing healing on the Sabbath? Imagine that. No, you can't get healed on Sunday here. Forget it. Wait, come tomorrow. That's the kind of thinking they had. But Jesus heals on the Sabbath. And he says in his response, and Jesus tells him, he says, my father is that we, is truly true. I say to you, the son of God can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does like, likewise. Verse 20. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these he will show him so that you may marvel. He lets them know the father's always at work. The father's at work, and he loves me. Because he loves me, He's going to show me what he's doing. And he's going to allow me to join him in doing that work. I see, I can't do it on my own. He lets us know. This is something to understand. He's like, I can't do anything on my own accord. I, I, I just can't. 
I can't do these works, like I, can, I, can't, I can't just accomplish this for God. I can't try to say, God, 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 do these things. He goes, no, I can only do what the Father's doing, what he shows me. And he, and he loves me, and he's going to show me, and he's going to show me more things. Here's a model for us. When I talk about doing these works, it's not like, like go out there and try to accomplish them for God and make him happy. That's not how it works. Okay? It's not going where someone's trying to beg God to do something and try to get him to do what we want. Jesus followed what the Father was doing and knew that in those moments, the Holy Spirit would empower him to do whatever the Father was showing him to do. So this is how it's done. It's not done because we can just conjure this power up. The Holy Spirit is on us, but it's also your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He taught him that too. See, he's a part of all part of the model I want you to see here. And God wants us to see and understand. It's not, not this religious thing of trying to do something and work for something and make something happen. That's not how it happens. It's having a relationship with the Father. And I like this thing. It says, he's, he says the Father loves the Son. It's like I thought of this as just like with my, with my children. When they were little, doing things and actually inviting them in to be a part of what I was doing. And them excited and being a part of that. And me being excited and them joining with me. Do you see the picture now? That's what Jesus had with his father. That's what we're supposed to have with our father. He invites us into that kind of relationship. Jesus didn't die just to forgive us our sins and go about our way. And just show up for church on Sunday and then just do devotions. No, he invites us into this, this intimate relationship with the Father. That he's going to show us what he's doing. He's going to invite us into those things that he's doing and let us take part in them and, and experience the pleasure he has in ministering to people. That's what Jesus had. And he calls us to have the same thing. So he's, 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 uh, he tells them this. He, now, the disciples hear this bef before they're sent. So they have this in their history of knowing what the model is. See, Jesus lived this dynamic, organic, intimate relationship with the Father like he was on an adventure. Just think of your, kid, your little kids when you're younger. You know, when I took them fishing, when we took them hiking, they were like, yeah, where are we going? You know, living like Jesus lived life every day. I'm walking with him. He's with me. It was this adventure he was on, knowing that God was going to show him what he was doing and knowing that the anointing was on him in those moments that God would work through him to bring the blessing of the kingdom to whoever he encountered. That's the lifestyle. That's, that's it. See, this is, as I think of this, this is the model of what normative Christianity should look like. This is our model. This is, this is, the, this is what norm is for us as follower, followers of Jesus. Now, I'm not saying I have it. I'm just saying that's what it is. This is what we're called to. This is what he was sending the disciples, just like he was sent. Just like he's sending you and me on the same adventure with the same model of living life in relationship with the Father.
in this kind of um, you know it, it, there's I know there's some thinking here like like really is that what you're saying Kenny is that what God's saying you're thinking like there's no way I'm going to do that I don't know enough I'm afraid I'm going to make mistakes I'm not a pastor. I'm not a, a, a leader in a church. I, I'm not like the apostles. How do, you, how do I know you're thinking that? That was me. That was me 30-something years ago. When God was working in my heart, these very scriptures I'm sharing with you, and starting to bring light to those things, what normative Christian life was supposed to be like. And I'm like, whoa. And then you read, what were the apostles like? They were like George, the fisherman. <laughs> right? <laughs> they were like Joe Crowder, the tax guy. Right? That's who was in their midst. There was also a zealot who was willing to take someone's life to promote his, his, his political views. There was a thief who would betray him. These are the people who then watched Jesus and he said, okay, guys, you go do it. Wait a minute. You want me to do what? You think they were scared, wondering what was going on? They had never seen anything like this before. They made a bunch of mistakes. They were often clueless to what Jesus was doing, even three years after they're with him. And Jesus says, hey, I'm sending you like I'm sent, sent, I've been sent. Jesus, you could have picked some better people. That's what we think. But he, guess what? Most of you don't know me from my past. I wouldn't have picked me. <laughs> but that's who he picks. Every day, every, every average person, just, he just picks every, I mean, this, this is amazing what God does. Because it's not, he doesn't call us to go do that stuff. He calls us and he pours the Holy Spirit into us. Just like he did to them, right? And that same Holy Spirit, as we heard earlier, was spoken that, that raised Jesus from the dead, that did those things years ago, is here in our midst right now. Right? That's the same Holy Spirit. And he's calling us to let him work in us and through us. You know, they, they actually went to, they actually had a school back in the day. It was how to do the Jesus stuff. It was a secret school you could go to so then when Jesus called you, you could say, I, can't, I can do it now. I, I don't look like a fool now in front of everybody. No, there was no such school. And there still isn't today. The school is start where you're at. Jesus calls them. They had no idea what they were doing. They were completely clueless to what, how to do this. In fact, you know what they would do? After they've actually sent out, after they've been sent out and they actually healed the sick and cast out demons... And they've prayed all their life. At some point, they say, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? 
This was their life. They, they, were, they were Jewish. They were steeped in this idea of praying and praying prayers. And they've gone out and done this stuff. They are still asking God. They knew something, that he had something more than they had, the Holy Spirit. And they were asking for it. And notice they didn't say, they didn't come up and separately say, can you teach me? Teach us. It was community. Teach us together. Show us together. In his first response, our Father. That's the heart of it right there. Our Father. Relationship with him. It's what, we're, what I'm talking about, what Jesus shows us and models for us is birthed out a, of, a, of a, a, a deep, intimate relationship with the Father. We don't do it because we know a lot of facts about Jesus. It doesn't happen because we know about these scriptures, what Jesus did. It comes out of our relationship with our Father in heaven. And out of that and the Holy Spirit leading us. That's where it comes from. <laughs> Well, you know, at some point, you know, I said, I, you know, at one point I was like, ah, I, 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 I don't know what I'm doing. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. I'm going to get it wrong. What if people think I'm, I, I don't know what I'm doing? Those, all those things. Well, at some point, God was working those things. And at some point, me and Nancy, my wife Nancy's back there, and it, it, we realized God was moving us to do this. And so we started getting involved, and we started praying for people and praying with people in church. And still not knowing what we were doing, we were just going out. And we, we, we actually did searches. Nancy actually found some cassettes. Actually, cassette, yeah. Back then, we had cassettes, and we listened to cassettes. It was teaching about, about intimacy with the Father, and about hearing and listening to the Holy Spirit. And actually using that, allowing that God to speak into you and, and speak through you in praying for people. And we started trying to incorporate that in. And we still didn't know what we were doing. We were just fledgling. We were just trying. And then we got connected to a, a group of people that actually really believed in this model of Jesus' ministry. And they were purposed in, in um, uh, of modeling it, equipping, encouraging, and, play, and providing a space, a place for, uh, to, to, uh, to practice it. And I say practice, yeah, just like football players. They, they practice, the more they practice, what happens? The better they get. The more we do this, the more confident we come, the more, more uh, comfortable we're doing it. I'll still say to this day, there's time, I, I still, like someone asked me earlier, are, are you ready? Are you nervous? Yes, I'm ready. And yes, I'm nervous. Because you're always like, well, like, like God, I, I, you know, at least for me, am I going to get it right? And it happens. And so, so they were there providing that space to learn and to practice and learn and grow. Because you know what the disciples did? You know how they learned? Ooh, that wasn't the thing to do. Oh, that's not how we're supposed to do it anymore. They aren't, a lot of the mistakes teach us how to unlearn what we were doing all those years. And we have to unlearn. And so we, that, that provided. So we're grateful for that group. And we, as long as we're the rest of our life, me and Nancy want to grow and mature in this kind of model, this kind of picture of what life is, looks like as Jesus lived it out for us as a model. Now, that brings us to the training that we're doing on Saturday. I'm doing a training on Saturday. It's, 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 it's purpose to provide a place for people to learn and grow and, and see it modeled and learn about it, have a chance to practice it. And that's just the beginnings. It's not going to be the only time. 
But th this is really the beginnings of having a space to learn and grow and, and become, to follow the same model. And that's what we want to show people. And, and Pastor Joe is committed. Pastor Joe is, is, is purposed. He really takes seriously his responsibility to provide a space for equipping and encouraging and, and allowing people to grow and mature as Christians and followers of Christ in doing this very thing I'm talking about. He wants to see that. That's his job. That's what he, he's not just here to preach every Sunday. He wants to provide that place where we can all grow more and more to do this thing Jesus calls us to do, right? And so that's what that training is for. Um, and, uh, and the hope is to develop prayer, prayer ministry teams that are going to be available during the church gatherings, but it's not just for that. So people it's, were signing up, we wanted to sign up in the back, and they didn't want to sign up because they said, it said prayer teams, and they like, I don't want to be on a prayer team, I just want to learn. That's what the class is for. It's not just for people who want to be on the prayer team, but it's, it's like you want to learn to grow and become more comfortable and confident in praying and ministering to people just like Jesus did, and doing outreach on a personal level like Peter describes him. You know, the Holy Spirit was anointing him. He went around doing good, and the Father with him, this is where you come. This is where you come to that training on Saturday. That's what it's for. It's for people to become more com comfortable and confident in doing that very thing and learning that. And actually, and if you're afraid to make mistakes, let me, let me just let you know, you're going to make them. You got to be really okay with that. You got to be okay with that and be willing to learn from those mistakes. And we want to provide a space that it's okay to make mistakes and learn from them. And so that's what the training's for. So I want to encourage you to sign up for that and come to that on Saturday. There's a sign-up sheet over in the hallway down there. And so sign up for it if you can. Um, and it, it, I think you'll really would enjoy the training. And actually, it would be more, we're going to talk more about what we, I just talked about this morning. And so um, so encourage you to do that and think about that. Now, um, I just want to say, as we're coming to a close, is that, if the Holy Spirit is working, not if he is, he is. There's no if about it. He's here. He's here in our midst. He's been here all along. And maybe he's doing something unique in your heart right now. And it's something that's been stirred up from what I've shared and what I've shared about Jesus doing this stuff. And you're saying, look, I, I, I don't know, but I want that. I'm available to talk to you after church. I'm here. I'll be over where the sign-up sheet is, down the hallway. If you want prayer, just know that God is calling us to come alive. This song was written, it's from Ezekiel 37, which not speaking about people that aren't, aren't believers in God. It was written about prophesying and speaking to the people of God to come alive and be the people God intended you to be, just like was spoken earlier today. God's, it's not by accident, God, these things have kind of come together. Do you understand that? The Holy Spirit's speaking here. And if you're stirred by that, then I would say, say yes to Jesus. To whatever that means in your heart, it's going to be different for each one of us, where we're at and following him. But at this point, if he's stirring your heart, say yes to him. Come alive to who you're supposed to be. Come alive to who lives within you. Do you know the creator of the created order, the one who created all things, 
has chosen to live in you forever. Let that sink in. And that one that rose Jesus from the dead that lives in you wants to do these very same things through you. And if you're stirred for that, then respond to Jesus. Yes, I will. I want that. And start down that journey just like me and Nancy did 30-something years ago. We haven't got it, but we want it more. And I want to ask, encourage you to want it more also. Come learn with us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Um, it's um, hard to believe, God, all of what we, I just shared. It just, it's, I, I think of it and it just overwhelms me to think of what you've done for us, what you're doing in us, and you, what you want to do through us. And God, I pray that your spirit, even as we said earlier, breathe. We cried out, breathe on us. God, cause us to come alive. Come alive to who you are, who we are, and what you want to do in us. Lord, I pray you stir your people. Enable them to respond to you with all their heart, all their being. In your name I pray, amen.